Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to read to you all again the word of God from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is... God's word. Anne and Matt and all of Mary's family on behalf of us all here at our Redeemer, our prayers, our love, our support are with you in this time of, well, Anne, as we talked about before the service, both grief and celebration. That's kind of a hard thing to to make sense of and wrap your brain around, that both those things can exist at the very, very same time. And thankfully, I'm not going to say fortunately, I think um, your mom gave us a very good verse to help us make sense of that grief and joy at the very same time. We were sitting at the uh, funeral home, I guess it would have been on Monday, and we were talking about the plans for the service today, and Anne, I think it was you who mentioned that your mom used to love to write in her notes whenever she'd sign a card or a note or a letter or something, she would write next to her name, John 3.16. She was cool before Tim Tebow started putting it on his eye black, right? She was John 3.16, right? Well, that's a good verse to write because we all know it, don't we? That's why Tim Tebow can put it on his eye black because everyone knows John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes in the church we call that the gospel in a nutshell. It's so simple. It's so basic. God so loved the world, he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Why? So that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now, the challenge when you take a single Bible verse out of the Bible, and we, we do that all the time, um, you know, we hang on to a single verse, is that there's always a little bit of context that goes with it. And it helps you sort of get to the depth and the riches of that verse when you actually look at the context. And so what I want to do for us this morning is I want to look at the context of John 3.16, the most well-known Bible verse there is, and one that we know Mary herself loved deeply. I'm going to take you back to verse 14, and I've already read it in the reading and at the start of the sermon here. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What is that all about? Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Well, if you 
dig into your Sunday school stories and repertoire a little bit. Back in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were being brought from Egypt into the land of promise, you know, they were a stubborn, persnickety people, and they were grumbling against the Lord. And the Lord God sent fiery serpents upon them to bite them and afflict them. And many of them died due to the bites of these fiery serpents. So we read in the book of Numbers chapter 21 that the Lord God told Moses as the people were crying out to him to deliver them and help them. He told Moses to make a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole for the people to see. And those who had been bitten by the fiery serpents, if they looked upon the bronze serpent on the pole, they would be healed. What kind of bizarre thing is that? That the people would be told by the Lord to look upon an image of the very thing that was afflicting them. Well, the Lord God had a very good reason. And it all has to do with John 3, 16. And verses 14 and 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus must be lifted up. And of course, Jesus is referring to his cross. Jesus is referring to the cross where the nails pierced his hands and feet, where he suffered and bled and died, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, this is the big mystery of John 3.16. The thing that for so many people might not make sense, but through eyes of faith, we hold it in both grief and joy at the same time. That we, the people of God, look upon Jesus in his death in order that we might have life. The death of Jesus on the cross brings about life for the world. How can grief and joy stand side by side? How can we make sense of such a thing? By looking on the one who dies for our sin in order that we may also have life. Just as a serpent was the object of healing for the people of Israel, so the death of Jesus is the source of life for Mary, for you, and for me. Jesus was lifted up for Mary, for you, and for me. In that well-loved verse, John 316. I don't know about you guys, I have a favorite word in that verse. I'd like to explain it to you right now. 
The word God is great, obviously. God is above all things. The love, obviously. Love the world means all of us. Gave his son to give us eternal life. So many good words there. But I'd like to call your attention to the little word, so. It's one you might just jump past, or you might think it means something like God so loved the world, like he loved us so much. That's not quite it. That little word connects you back to the verse before it. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. In other words, he loved the world in that way. The cross of Jesus, the lifting up of Jesus for the sins of the world is how you know that God loves you. It's how Mary knew that God loved her and everyone whom she loved. Having grown up here at our Redeemer and knowing not just Mary, but also Will. And and I didn't really know you a whole lot until I was a little bit older, but Matt and I went to school together for a couple of years. I don't know if you knew this, Matt, but I mean, you were on the varsity 1993 state championship football team. You were pretty much a pro football player to us younger guys, right? So, you know, um, uh, it was always really cool for me as a, a younger underclassman to see the, the varsity football players here. And, um, um, and so that's kind of in my mind's eye. When I think of, of Mary, I picture uh, Mary and Will and Matt sitting here in church and Ann, you as well, and their family. And um, I remember her in the choir. She sang in the choir with my dad. My dad would usually jump in the choir at Easter every year and they'd lend their voices together. And um, one of so many faces that I, having grown up here, remember being part of the life of this congregation. And, um, you know, people, you know, some people will join churches for a bunch of different reasons, but. With Mary, it was always abundantly clear, not just her, but for Will and her family, all of them, that it was all about the love of God in Jesus. It's why she loved to sing. It's why she loved to serve. It's why she loved to be here in the house of the Lord. Because she knew it was her confidence, her trust, that through the death of Jesus... God gives life. Those are Jesus' own words. That's why he died. So that you would live. And that's why we have joy, even in the middle of grief. Because Jesus didn't just die, he also lived. Death is followed by life. That's how it works in God's kingdom. We tend to think it's the other way around, and definitely our earthly experience tells us that, and that's why we endure grief, because we know life in this world that we think comes to an end with death. But in the kingdom of God, death is replaced by life. Jesus lives. Jesus is risen. 
And so Mary shall live as well. Even as she rests with Jesus now, the life that God has prepared for her has merely only begun. And he's prepared that life for you as well. As we wrestle here caught between grief and joy, between earthly life and death, God points us to the life that is eternal through the one who was lifted up for us. In those moments of grief and pain and hurt and sorrow, we hear the words of St. Paul in Philippians chapter 4. I know it's Cecil's confirmation verse, where St. Paul declares, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. St. Paul speaks as one who knows that even though this earthly life ends in death, it is not the end of life. Because in Jesus Christ, there is a life that is to come for Mary, for you, and for me. And we can endure the grief and the pain and the hurt and the sorrow of this earthly life because we know of eternal life. Because we have received eternal life in the one who was lifted up in death and yet who lives again, Jesus Christ our Lord. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Mary believed in the one who was lifted up. And though grief and pain and what our eyes tell us today say differently, Mary has not perished. She has eternal life. Her Savior Jesus lives has been raised to life. And so shall she. So shall you. Death leads to life. And that life does not end. And I pray for each and every one of you this day, Anne, Matt, and all of you gathered here today, that in the middle of grief, the incredible, unsurpassed joy that belonged to your mom, to your family member and friend, that joy which belonged to her, know that it is yours as well. God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, to be lifted up like a serpent in the wilderness, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, life without end. And that gives each of us, as it gave, and you know what still gives to Mary, all the reason for joy that doesn't end. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.